Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, bonus scoop time. Zolgad, um, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, the Scoop Podcast, and so much more. And uh, executive producer A.J. Fredrickson sitting in for the taking a day off, Jacqueline Goff. And Doogie, let's start with the Wolves. If I had told you the Wolves were going to beat the Celtics last night, uh, led by... Nathan Knight, Jalen Noel, and probably most importantly, Greg Monroe, who got to the arena right before the game and then proceeded to score 11 points, grab nine boards, and six assists. How quickly would you have taken my surly from me and told me that it was time to stop? Yeah, I don't know, Judd, if I would have had you committed. But yeah, I certainly would have taken away your surly. Now, the Celtics were down Marcus Smart, Jason, you know, Jason Tatum. So, you know, I was looking at Boston saying, okay, they're somewhat depleted, but I still looked at their roster and said, okay, they certainly have more players, more capable players with Al Horford back, some others, compared to what the Wolves had. I'll tell you what, though, Judd, how enjoyable was that game last night? The way the ball was moving, that was incredibly entertaining. And I've been on the Jalen Noel bandwagon for some time. I spent a bunch of time with him one summer afternoon, summer of 2020, really got to know him on a pretty intimate level. He cut open a vein about losing his father, losing another family member close to the time he lost his father. You know, I started to get to know him on a personal level above just watching him star on the basketball court. But at 19 years old, he was the Pac-12 player of the year at the University of Washington. That should have told us plenty why he lasted all the way to the second round probably some size concerns some position concerns maybe a little undersized to play the two guard but he can score he can play and so I'm not overly surprised that he had a career high last night Greg Monroe that would be the surprise he flew in yesterday morning with the weather here in the Twin Cities he had to take a connecting flight so his flight plans got changed had to come in take a physical He had to produce a negative COVID test. He is vaccinated. The Wolves were not going to sign somebody off the street not vaccinated. But he still had to produce a negative test. You know, doesn't know the offense. Meets Chris Finch at about 5 o'clock last night. Then goes in, and he played well. Nathan Knight on a two-way deal. It's another reminder, Judd. I've said this for a long time. There are more NBA players than jobs available. When you look at standard NBA contracts, you know, and not just in the G League, but overseas as well. There are a number of NBA-capable players, just not enough jobs available. Nathan Knight 
is in that category. He is a definitive NBA player, should be on a standard contract. The Wolves are smart. They'll find a way. Now, Glenn Taylor's not interested in paying the luxury tax, so they're ever so close to that luxury tax. So they would have to do some cat maneuvering. But if I'm the Wolves, I find a way. I think they could probably give away Jake Lehman. I think somebody would take Jake Lehman. Maybe that's the solution. You know, maybe over the next 19 days, because I foresee them signing Greg Monroe to another 10-day deal. I think at that point, 18, 19 days from now, the Wolves should try to give away Jake Lehman, create the necessary cap space to convert, you know, whether it's Greg Monroe to a standard contract, you know, whatever it might be, maybe that's the path because you do have Knight under that two-way deal. But if you wanted to convert Knight, like to me, Knight is is more worthy of a standard deal right now than Greg Monroe. But I'm just saying if there's a way to keep those two guys around mm-hmm. for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. I think that would be smart. I should remind the audience as well that the Wolves signing these guys to hardship deals, you know, Chris Silva, Rajon Tucker, Greg Monroe, that does not have an impact when it comes to the luxury tax. So okay. the Wolves can keep adding guys. Maybe the NBA should have been a little bit quicker to put these rules into place, right? You know, maybe, you know, the Chicago Bulls should not have been, you know, having to shut down a couple weeks back. You know, maybe the NBA should have been a little bit more, you know, just forward thinking because they have been in so many ways. That's why it's a bit of a surprise that the NBA took a bit too long to implement these new rules that they want the games to be played, that they're okay with these replacement players. They'd rather have games played, certainly for financial reasons, than have games postponed or who knows, maybe ultimately not made up, so canceled. But yeah, I think the NBA finally has gotten it right. The Wolves have another game tonight, Judd, hosting the New York Knicks. I do think there's a chance some guys clear protocol, but the issue is conditioning. Like, Judd, think about it. Right. So many guys have been sitting in their, you know, in Anthony Edwards' case, his apartment, you know, or Cat's case, his house, right? You're just, you're sitting there. You're not doing anything from a conditioning standpoint. You're not ready to play in an NBA game. You know, that's why Patrick Beverly, at his age, he wasn't ready to play back-to-back games. So they had to sit him out one game. They decided to sit him out last night, got the practice in on Sunday. He'll be good to go tonight. Josh Okogie, younger guy, got the practice in on Sunday. So his body can handle it. So he was able to play last night. He can play again tonight. But don't look for – I've seen some different reports, Roto World, some others, Mark Berman of the New York Post putting it out there that the Wolves all of a sudden have all these guys available for tonight's game. That is incorrect. How close is Ant? Because I think he he was one of the first to go on the COVID list, correct? So yeah, like he was. Yeah. Was he sick or or it feels like he could be back or could have been back last night just from a timing standpoint. What's going on there with Ant? Well, I mean, the symptoms are not kicking his ass. I can tell you that much. Good. But you still need to produce multiple negative tests 24 hours apart. So that's the conundrum for Anthony Edwards. Now, this is day 11, if my math is correct. I would not be surprised if we have some news that, that he clears protocols here pretty quick. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, conditioning-wise, you know, even at his young age, he's not ready to play in an NBA game. Later this week in Utah, Sunday at Los Angeles, okay, that's a bit more realistic. But tonight against New York, mm-hmm. not realistic. Interesting. Um, so, uh, spe- uh, specifically, Dukes on Jalen. 
with what we're seeing now, and th- this goes back to, uh, you know, a week or so beyond that, this looks like a guy who needs to play. Like, like once guys come back, what's the logical path to create room there? Because, because like, the Monroe story is a fun one, and that's a great one. Like, you know, he gets off a of plane and plays well, and that's great. Uh, but we've seen that story before. And lots of times that that guy has a great game or two or good game. And then he's just himself. Noel looks like a guy that can just flat out play. What in your mind is the path to actually get him time once guys get back? Well, I mean, I think he should have a lot of Malik Beasley's minutes. Is Chris Finch ready to do that? That remains to be seen. I know Chris Finch is a big fan of Jalen Noel. I know Sachin Gupta is a big fan of Jalen Noel. Regardless you know, Finch is, when he's got his full complement of guys, going to play usually nine guys, maybe at times ten, maybe mm-hmm. at times eight, but but that sweet spot is nine. You look at the bench rotation. Okay, so we have the starting five established, right, with Cat, Vanderbilt, Edwards, Russell, Beverly, okay? Beasley's going to play. Nas Reed is going to play. But you start looking and you're like, okay, there are some minutes to be had there. He can play on the ball too. Like Beasley and Noel can coexist. You know, like when they have their full complement of guys, Jake Lehman's not going to play. I don't foresee Jordan McLaughlin's not going to play. You know, I don't foresee that happening. But when you look at the nine, you know, is Torian Prince a member of that rotation? But I'm telling you what, when looking at nine, Jalen – well, absolutely, is one of their nine. And I do think we'll, we'll continue to see him get run. And when he's scoring, because, I mean, he's got the gift of, of putting the ball in the basket, yeah. I think Finch will, will ride that out. You know, I mean, their identity right now is that of a defensive team. Their offensive numbers don't wow you, right? right. Jalen Noel's got some special offensive talent. So right. I think Chris Finch realizes that. I expect when they have their full complement of guys here in the next, you know, whatever it might be, seven to 10 to 14 days yep. when they're back. Jalen Noel absolutely is a member of the rotation. Possible hot take here. Um, I, I know if Beasley gets hot, he, he can shoot like really well. I, I totally get that. Uh, it feels like with him coming off the bench, it doesn't work as, as well. He almost needs to start, which he clearly, with what you described as the starting five, Dukes is not going to do. Jalen Noel, it feels to me like, is much more adept and comfortable with coming off the bench um, and playing. The hot take is, I think, just from a small sample size, Jalen Noel's a better fit for for the role that they want Beasley to play than Beasley is, potentially. Oh, I don't think that's a hot take, Judd. Okay. I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. Like, I think Malik would probably admit who knows, maybe not on the record, but I, I think he would admit that, yeah, he views himself as a starter. His contract certainly suggests he's a starter at around $14 million a year. But yes, in terms of, you know, being able to to play with the second unit, you know, and, and being able to, you know, just adjust, uh, Jalen's got that, right? I mean, he has spent time in the G League. You know, he's come off the bench for the last couple years. Like, he's used to this particular role. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to to what you said. It's why if there's a taker from Malik Beasley, 
trust me, Sachin Gupta is very open-minded to moving him. But I'll also tell you this much, on the trade front, it's pretty stale right now. Like, so many teams are trying to navigate yeah, I was gonna these, say, yeah. these COVID protocols. Yeah. I'm just telling you, like, I checked again the other day. Judd, I mean, it's borderline non-existent. Like, teams know where the Wolves specifically stand, right? That They still have interest in Ben Simmons. They have interest in Miles Turner, some other guys. But I'm telling you, frankly, and there are so many guys on the COVID list. Not like you're trading for a guy on the COVID list. Right. So I'm just telling you, like, trade talk right now is pretty dead. I imagine it'll pick up, you know, closer to the deadline, you know, second week of February. But, like, right now, trade talk is pretty non-existent. Interesting. Vikings. Um, so so despite the, the fact that they lose to the Rams, despite the fact that they um, can't get past the, the hump and are now, what, seven and eight with two games left, that godforsaken seventh playoff seed still has them in in it. Uh, what can you tell us about the health b- between COVID and injuries about the state of the Vikings going into the Sunday night game at Lambeau Field? Yeah, I think it's dicey for Adam Thielen to play. Judd, I was tipped off on Monday early evening by somebody that has given me a lot of good information, especially in the last 12 months or so. Like this individual hasn't been wrong. He told me that Adam Thielen is exploring undergoing season-ending surgery, presumably on his foot. I actually didn't even check. I just I presumed that it's the foot. You know, after re-injuring sprain, right? it, yeah, after re-injuring it on yeah. on Sunday. Wow! I reached out to four people that absolutely would know. Judd, I'm getting the Heisman. I'm oh. getting denied. Like, oh. and this is weird. So if you want to read between those lines, so I'm not ready to, you know, full-fledged tell you. I'm not ready to tell AJ to blast out a, a tweet, you know, with this with this big declaration that Adam Thielen is undergoing season-ending surgery. But, you know, for sake of what we do, mm-hmm. the scoop, you know, I pass along stuff I hear. Now, there's stuff I hear that I don't pass along because I know it's a crock of crap, right? But in this particular case, you know, there could be some validity to it. So I'm still awaiting word. Like, none of these people have texted me back. Oftentimes, when you don't get a text back, they don't want the information out there right this second. I'll continue to explore it, put it that way. But I just I think it may be iffy in terms of having Adam Thielen on the field, not only Sunday against Green Bay, but then the following Sunday against Chicago. If he can do more damage, in my opinion, it's not smart. He shouldn't play. Like, at some point in time here, because – this league is brutal and they will cut your salary in a heartbeat. So like if you can do at his age and, and when he got tackled against the Rams, basically by his feet there and stayed down, it looked bad. He, he tried to come back. Um, but yeah, I, I got to think at some point in time, as much as he wants to play and, you know, good for him. He's a competitor, Dukes. At some point, you and your agent and your camp has to think about you as well, because in a year or, or so, if he is not performing well and is still hurt, the team is not going to say, we really appreciate what, what you've done. Here's a pay raise. They're going to say, how can we restructure your contract to help us, the team? So there does get to be a breaking point, I think, where it makes a lot of sense to say, you know what? I tried. Sorry, can't do it. Yeah, and I mean, he's wired differently. We know that. He's a different breed. 
But at this point, after trying, you know, I mean, just the look on his face, right? I know he came back in for a couple plays thereafter on Sunday, but the look on his face, that initial tackle, like it wasn't good. And so I just, I have a hard time imagining that, that we see Adam back this year, certainly Sunday, and I'll continue to explore the, the surgery angle. I'll also add that uh, Dalvin Cook uh, is not battling significant uh, symptoms with COVID. Okay. That there is a belief that he can be back on Sunday against the Packers, that, that it's trending in the right direction. But then you wonder about conditioning with him. How much conditioning is he able to do at his house near the, the facility there in, in Invergrove Heights? How much can he do, right? But there is some hope that, that he can return. Oliudo, who is fully vaccinated, is, is now on the COVID list. So we'll wait and see on, on his front. What's interesting to me is there's no Wyatt Davis team. Like, it's Dakota Dozier, right, who was hospitalized not that yeah. long ago. But he's back at Dakota Dozier. It's remarkable. You know, it's in the realm of possibilities that we see Dakota Dozier out there on Sunday. So what- we'll know more later this week on that. What are the rules now? Because the, these things are changing, it feels like, Dukes, by the day. So so if you're vaccinated and you tested positive, presumably on Monday, um, when do you get tested again? And, and how quickly could Udo be cleared to play Sunday? That's a really good question. Now, we saw it last week, Tyreek Hill vaccinated. He tested positive early in the week cleared right he played on Sunday for the Chiefs Travis Kelsey did convincing win same over Pittsburgh Travis Kelsey those same boat yep did not so you need to produce multiple negative tests what I'm trying to figure out Judd admittedly I don't have all the answers on this yeah but the CDC changing its guidelines on Monday how does that now impact the sports world and so I'm trying to still wrap my arms around all of this we saw the news this morning Jonas Brodeen of the wild has now entered COVID protocols. I was texting with a gopher basketball source this morning, wondering about Sunday's game against Illinois at the barn because Illinois is shut down right now. It's non-conference game. Tomorrow in Champaign has been canceled. Yeah, Illinois was supposed to meet this morning, so the gophers are still waiting for some sort of, you know, word from from Illinois, from the Big Ten office. The gophers, they don't even know. The Big Ten is the one conference that hasn't figured out yet if, if there will be forfeitures, you know, like does, does Illinois need to forfeit Sunday's game? We don't even know that other conferences have those, have those, you know, uh, rules in place. The big 10 is still trying to figure some stuff out, Kevin warning company, but I'm still trying. I'm just telling you, Judd, like, I, I don't know. You know, I I know there's a possibility with him being fully vaccinated that, that he could trend in the direction of, of playing because we've seen it with, with other players. So mm-hmm. that I do know, mm-hmm. but how often he's testing, you know, does he go over there, you know, today for another test? Does he go over there tomorrow? Uh, I imagine he would test pretty regularly, but is he doing an at-home test or does he come to the facility? I'm sure you have to come to in, right? Tested? I would imagine that trailer, the trailer, because it's off site. It's just on the grounds. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's in the, it's in the parking lot. It's right. 10 feet from Rick Spielman's parking spot, uh, but it's there. Don't, don't cough on Rick's car. Yeah, exactly. The the <laughs> fancy Mercedes. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm still trying to figure all this out, Judd. I really okay. am. So you can ask me a ton of COVID questions. I may have some answers. I, I certainly don't have all the answers. I just, I know. I mean, every time I look on social media, it's another player. I just saw the Atlanta Hawks 
Oh. Now up to 13 players on the COVID list. Hockey's they incredible put three too, more dude. on this morning. Yes, yes. I mean, every NHL team has a player now on the COVID list. The yeah. Wild were the last team, right? The Wild have had COVID cases prior, yeah. but right now, uh, until Jonas Brodeen went on this morning, the Wild were the only NHL team without a player wow. on the list. But now every NHL team has a player on the list. It's just, it's nuts. Thankfully, it seems that with this new variant, that the symptoms aren't going to destroy you, sore throat. You know, it's kind of like a nasty cold, which mm-hmm. a lot of people get this time of the year, especially here in Minnesota, you know, anyway. Uh, so that's a positive, you know, but there are guys that are being tested that are asymptomatic. And that's part of, you know, what some of the sports world is saying, like, why are you testing me? I don't have any symptoms. And all of a sudden I pop up as as positive. Uh, you know, like I saw D'Angelo Russell tweet some interesting things a couple days ago. You know, Torian Prince has tweeted some things. Uh, there's a lot of people just wondering what the heck is going on here. If, if you don't have any symptoms, why can't you go out there and play? And that's what football stopped doing, I believe. They're, so they're they're testing guys who come in and feel sick, unless you're not vaxxed, which is what Cook is. So Cook still, I believe, it falls un, under the previous protocols of 10 days, you're out. Um, and so he can test, I believe, 10 days of Saturday. He can test Sunday and be cleared. It's confusing as hell. It is uh, very confusing because, like, yep. Harrison Smith, yeah, there were a couple symptoms there, Judd. But, like, do I think he could have played that Baltimore game? So he tests uh, positive right. the morning of the Baltimore game. Remember, the Will right. said to pay twenty five grand to fly him back from Baltimore. Right. I think he could have played. Like, I really do. Like, I don't think the symptoms were kicking his butt to the point of right. not but being able to play. But he's but, not vaxxed. Yeah, he's not vaxxed. And they so made it clear, play. if you're not vaxxed, you're screwed. Yeah. yeah, so he couldn't play against the Ravens and the Chargers. Alexander Madison, symptoms didn't get to him, you know, and he's not vaccinated. Right. You know, and I'm telling you, like with Dalvin, I'm led to believe it's not kicking his right. butt, you know. So it's it's tricky. It really is, you know, because then Dakota Dozier, vaccinated, ends up in the hospital, right? Now, that's a mirage. We haven't heard many That's cases like that. That's a rarity. Correct. That's not the trend. But I'm just saying, if you're Harrison, if you're Alexander, if you're Dalvin, mm-hmm. you know, aren't you pointing to that saying, you know, heck, I'm not vaccinated, but I feel fine. Yeah. You know, but you could be vaccinated and end up in the hospital. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's it's a very slippery slope. Uh, Dukes, what are you, um, and we, we've been discussing this for a couple months now, but Zimmer and Spielman. Like I'm, I'm hearing more and more uncertainty now um, through the grapevine about what's going to uh, transpire with both of those guys with the loss on Sunday. What are you hearing at this point about the potential future for both the GM and coach of the Vikings? Judd, as we sit here at 1135 on the morning of December 28th, 1135 central time. I don't sense the Wilfs have made a final determination. That's what I don't I'm think as we sense. sit here, yeah. I, I really don't. I, I don't think the Wilfs have come to the 100% conclusion Mike Zimmer is being fired on Monday morning, January 10th. Now, could that happen? 100%. If I had to wager, I probably would put money on that scenario happening. I don't foresee Rick Spielman outright being fired. I don't. I really don't. You know, now maybe they create some sort of cushy senior, some sort of title for him, bring in some other, you know, football of operations guru. 
have that individual have final say. So maybe Rick Spielman loses final say. But I have a hard time believing that Rick Spielman is going to be completely kicked out of the organization. But with Zim, is that possibility there? I do think that possibility is there. But I'm just telling you, I don't think they've come to that conclusion. I think they have done background work on some potential candidates, something we've talked about. I think it's fair for us to discuss this topic. I just saw Bill Barnwell does a great job for ESPN. Yep, He posted a story on ESPN Insiders this morning ranking all the potential jobs. He's got the Vikings as the best possible job above Jacksonville. He's got the Vikings as the number one job above Chicago. Now, Chicago didn't have a first-round pick for, what, a couple years, but, you know, depending on what you think of Justin Fields, maybe Chicago's not that good of a job with some of their cap issues. But, you know, the Vikings have some issues, too. He ranks, like to me, it'd be Jacksonville. Give me Trevor Lawrence. Give me all that cap space. Yeah. Bill Barnwell, who's really smart, he's got the Vikings as the number one job. You know, but I'm just telling you, like, it's not 100% open right this second. Hey, Drew, let's Scooby out. Hi, Scooby. Hi, Drew. Um, so here's here's the thing about Zim, though, and because I agree, I I feel like the Wolves should be decided, but they're not, and and they're potentially at this point in time, um, vacillating a bit. Uh, how can you look around that stadium on Sunday, and how can you feel? How can you feel from your fan base and people who buy season tickets, Dukes? how stale it feels and not say we have to make a change. And by the way, it's justified too. It's not pulling the plug on a young coach. It's not this knee jerk. Um, yeah, it didn't work. Screw them. I understand that the Wilfs want stability and that they, they look at the giants with parcels and the Steelers and the, the fact that they've had three coaches since 1969, which is the year I was born. I understand all that, but I don't know how you look around, um, U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday and that game and the performance of that team and decide, you know what, let's try it again. I just don't get that. Well, not only Sunday, right? The full body of work of the last two years. But it just keeps going is what I'm saying. Yes, and it would be justifiable to pull the plug. Now, I'll also add that a couple years from now, if Mike Zimmer does ultimately lose his job on January 10th, I think in a couple of years, we'll look back. Now, maybe we do it as soon as, you know, January 11th, Tuesday, January 11th, when you and I go back and forth on this podcast. But I think in a couple of years, we'll certainly look back and say, you know what? The Mike Zimmer era was not a failure. He did a lot of good. Yeah. You know, that, absolutely. That he deserves praise for a lot of what he accomplished. Yes. But yeah, after eight years, the two playoff victories, not being over 500 since the 2019 season. The failures of his defense the last two years, Mm -hmm. the run defense in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the clock management issues, you know, some of the other things that have have reared their ugly head, that it's probably time for a change. Correct. Justin Jefferson postgame, you know, his comments, you know, just many things you can point to and just say, okay, you know, we tried it. You know, nothing against Mike. We'll cut him a big fat check to move on, but it is time for a change. But I'm just telling you, like, I don't think the Wilfs have come to that final conclusion. I think they've kicked around the possibility of making a move, also the possibility of what it would look like if if they retain him. You know, so the headline of, of this talking point is no final decision 
has been made. I'm just telling you, if I had to bet, I would lean in the direction of change coming. The one thing that we should also take into account is behind the scenes, people trying to save their own jobs. Because I'm sure Mike does not want to be fired. He's a football guy. He loves football. Rick is a survivor. So, like, I also wouldn't discount the amount of, um, I don't know if friction is the, the right word. It's the first one that comes to mind for me. But the amount of potential behind the scenes um, politicking that's going on to try and lay the blame at other people's feet. I didn't draft Jeff Gladney. Rick did. It's not my fault he turned out to be a creep, right? Um, Rick, I went out and got Mike the defensive tackles. The run defense being bad is Mike's fault. So so that's where the Wilfs really need to sit down, close the door, say, everyone else shut up. Here's what we're going to, to do. I don't know if the Wilfs have that in them. Uh, Brad was fired because Brad was insubordinate. Mike certainly has never been. Rick is certainly not. Uh, the Brad decision, I think, was actually unbelievably simple. This one's a little, a little bit more nuanced, but Dukes, I think, and I've been saying the same thing, you nailed it. It's run its course. It's just run its course. So I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear Rick did this, Mike did, did that. I want you to take into account that you took a shot. Good for you. It didn't work. But when your star up-and-coming player comes out and essentially says, I walked in the locker room and essentially nobody cared and then said, we're in the red zone and we're not doing this and that, shame on you if you're the Wilfs and you don't listen. Justin Jefferson knows what winning looks like. Really, he does. I feel like a lot of people with that current team don't necessarily know what Justin knows, despite the fact that JJ is 22 years old. Correct. Everything Justin Jefferson said post-game on Sunday was spot on. Yeah. That's why, to me, Rick and Mike need to be attached at the hip. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though I'm laying out a scenario where Rick is retained in some sort of form or fashion, I, I don't know how, if you pull the plug on Mike, Rick retains, you know, final decision-making power. I don't know how you would do that. So I would hope the Wilfs would come to that determination. You're right. He said, he said, right? Rick will say, I gave Mike Dalvin Tomlinson. I wasn't necessarily on the Dalvin Tomlinson train. You know, he wanted defensive line help. We swung and missed on, on Trey Hendrickson, a pass rusher, you know, but I gave him a defensive tackle. He wanted cornerback help. We bring in Mackenzie Alexander. We bring in Bashad Breeland. We bring yeah. in Patrick Peterson, yep. who was never really on their radar. Remember, it was it was Joel Siegel, Patrick Peterson's agent, that pushed that move forward. But after he reached out, trust me, Zim was like, yeah, I'll happily take Patrick Peterson. I want him. I need help in, in my secondary. If you're Mike, you're going to point to Rick and say, where's the depth? You know, Mike laid that groundwork preseason. Go back to before week one against Cincinnati. Yep. You know, Mike told Joe Schmidt in a one-on-one conversation, he only trusts 25, 26 players of the 53. That depth was an issue to Mike before the season. Then think about all the issues they've had in season losing guys. Mike didn't look at the depth of this roster and thought, hey, I've I've got a great roster, one through 53. One through 26, that was it. You know, so... That's where, to me, it's it's the back and forth, and that's why, to me, they got to be attached at the hip. They just do. But, yeah, I do think there's probably some politicking going on behind the scenes, certainly. Like, I don't know how there wouldn't be. 
Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Dukes. Great stuff. And I think we'll talk to you again for more scoopage on Mackie and Judd on Thursday. Absolutely. So, yeah, as of right now, the Gopher basketball team planning as if they'll play Illinois on Sunday. But we may have some news here pretty quick that Illinois just doesn't have the manpower to to feel the team for, for Sunday. And you need to, if you're doing anything else today, Judd, get into the to this Carl Anthony Towns, Russell Westbrook, brouhaha. I don't know how deep you've you've dove on on that topic. I think people are actually making too much out of it, but Draymond Green chimed in, Joel Embiid chimed in. Just a reminder, maybe it's Jimmy Butler driven, you know, maybe it's something else. Certainly to some extent Jimmy Butler driven, but I just I've never sensed that Carl Anthony Towns is real popular among a lot of the uh the NBA brethren. Sounds good, man. Thank you very much, Dukes. Talk to you Thursday. Okay, see you, Judd. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.